Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are so excited that you have joined us for today's message. On behalf of our senior pastor, Dr. Dorian Williams, and the entire TCF family, get ready for a word that is going to enlighten and empower you. Now, let's get to the message. John chapter 6, verse 1, a very uh, familiar passage of scripture to most people. And the word of God restarting in verse 1, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain. There he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Verse 5 says, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him and said, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may even take a little Then one of his disciples went off and found this little boy, and he came to Jesus, and he said, Here is a lad which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? What are they among so many? The title of today's sermon is, My Mama Made Me This Lunch. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Ghost. The fame of Jesus was spreading like wildfire. Everybody wanted a piece of the man from Galilee. They knew what he had done. He was born in Nazareth, and he had traveled all over the countryside. And and people said, well, we heard he was there, and they would run to the cities where they thought he was. And they, he, if he was in Jerusalem proper, they would run to Jerusalem ahead of him. If he was going to Galilee, then he, he would run there and try to catch him off at the past. They heard he was walking down into Samaria, and, and they heard his disciples were with him, and so they would run over there. And so it was almost like a very uh, a formation-centric culture that was happening that everywhere that Jesus went, everybody tried to be there. They heard, in this case, that he could heal the sick. Mark made it very plainly, of course, uh, and John made it plain. All of the gospel writers have this miracle in the gospels. Every one of them found that this was an important miracle for everybody to know. So much so that when they tell the story, this is one of those overlaying gospel uh, miracle stories that's so similar that it's amazing that four people had different perspectives but gave the same facts. And you know across the harmony of the Bible, when you can have that, it gives credibility and it lends a historicity to it to let you know this happened this way. That you don't have the details are not different. The time is not different. And and even John found it so important to say, just in case you want to know when it was, the Passover was just about to happen. It was so detailed. They were so peculiar in ensuring that this information was given to us that we can read this and say, they really did feed 5,000. And just in case you didn't know, plus women and the children. They didn't have to give us that part. So the story is really framed 
uh, for the reader. It's, it's framed for those who, who like to study because it's as if we're given this research paper on how this miracle came to be. We focus on the fact that they were hungry and they had been with him all night long and, and they followed him. The scripture says that in Mark that Jesus uh, was tired. Remember that before this, to give you the theme of this book, is the fact that a lot of things happened before this. John the Baptist was just beheaded. Jesus was emotional. He had just been rejected in his own home. It's where we get the saying where he said that a prophet had no honor in his own city. He had a lot of reason to be emotional, a lot of reason to say, I quit, a lot of reason to say, I just don't want to deal with this. And so he said, let's get out of here. And let's go to the other side of the water and not going to the other side of the water to stay there. And they went up to a mountain to try to get away just so Jesus could have a little uh, respite, just so he could have an opportunity to rest your mind. Don't you know you need that sometimes? Even from church, I know that that is offensive to some folk, but sometimes you need a break just to be at home with your family. I know that that offends a lot of people that go to other ministries. I've had other uh, ministers say to me, you're setting a precedent. And, I'm, and I asked and I always say to them, I'm setting a precedent of what? That these folks are grown? I don't tell you where you can and can't go and how long you can stay and what church you can go to and what church you can go to. So all I'm saying is I honor your faithfulness, but I can see when you need to go to the other side of the water, go up to the mountain and don't even log on. Nothing angers me more than when you're on vacation and I see Teresa Watson. I'm like, can you block her from logging in to like you going to be okay? He did that so we can live our lives to the fullest. Don't call me when I'm on vacation because I'm not going to answer it like pastor. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, I'm in Jamaica. Don't call me. Don't look for me. Don't pray about me. Don't write me. Don't I don't care. Will somebody die? Okay. I mean, what's going to happen? They're going to be dead when I get back. We'll bury them. Like, who is it? How long they've been dead? Okay, we know we got at least four days because, you know, Lazarus. So the miracle is still possible. Right? It's still possible. We have to be able to. Jesus said, I need a break. This is too much. I just lost my cousin. He cut his head off. I can't be dealing with this. So he tried to get away. But here's where this aggression of a desperate people comes in. They heard about where he was going and they ran around the water and waited for him on the other side. They get to the sea and the disciples are trying to protect him. And so then they went up to the mountain. They went up to the mountain. The Bible calls it a deserted place. They went to a deserted place where there were no stores. There was no, no Facebook and no social media and no phones and, and no anything. And that's where they were going. And people were so desperate for the word that they followed him. Now we know there were over fit, close to 15,000 people that were climbing a mountain to get to the word. And we can't even get to church on time. That's just a sidebar. I know it's Mother's Day, but I just had to stick you with that just, just because I love you. So they go up to the mountaintop, they get there, and Jesus sees after he has taught them, says then the, the, the day grew long, right? That the, the night was, the, the, he spent all day teaching them uh, about these things. And, and I love that as time grew nigh, the disciples were like, look, these folks are hungry. 
we don't have enough food to feed them. I like that Jesus initiated the conversation and said, where are we going to get all this? Where are we going to get some food from? And the scripture says, knowing what he was doing, he was testing them. He said, where are you going to get this food from? And they looked at him and said, are you serious? Ain't no Walmart. You said we're going up to the mountain. Ain't no Piggly Wiggly up here. Like, they don't have, none of this is up here. We, he, he said, what do you want us to do? Even if we had the money, like, it wouldn't do enough to feed all these people. Jesus was trying to develop their faith because he knew what he was doing. He knew that this would be a wonderful time to teach them about the importance of a mother's love. I know you're saying, how are you going to connect these two? Trust me, as I share with Elder Bird and Elder uh, McNeil this morning, I said I'd never even seen this portion of Scripture before, nor did it jump off the page at me. But the Scripture says that, and, and Mark especially, they went to go look through the 15,000 people to see if anybody had anything to eat. Look, this one didn't have any. At the 3,000 person, there was nothing to eat. At the 4,000 person, there was nothing to eat. There was no, But there was one little boy who had a lunch. That his mama made him. Everybody else showed up and they were just so excited to go follow Jesus and run after him and try to get uh, what he had. And they wanted to get their disease healed. They wanted to do all this stuff. But there was somebody's mama that was at home that said, boy. Now, I don't know where you're going so fast. But wherever you're going, don't you leave this house without something to eat. Come on now. Now, I don't know what kind of mama you had or a grandmama or an auntie, because I know that sometimes it takes a village. And so we had a lot of mother types and figures that raised us. But, you know, some of those things that your mama told you about that just stick with you the rest of your life. Things like if they jump off a bridge. Right. You know, I don't have to fill in. the. You could fill in the blank. It's, it's, we could play a game when the streetlights come on. Right. We got to do that. Right. This is going to hurt me. Right, there are some things that are just that just happen that belong to that should be copyrighted by your mother. Right, there are some things that that are on the record that you now say to your children. You were laughing at your mama when she couldn't remember your name. Now you can't remember your own kids' names. My mama still looks at me like, "Boy, Omar, boy, what? You know your name? Go over there." And Right. And now I do. And I have a male and a female and I still do it. I'm like, deep girl, go and tell your mama, come open this door. Like, right. You, you, is this something that happens to us? And I realize over time it's because you are thinking about so many different things that you are now always able to focus. It's not important what your name is. It's important that you know you reflect me when you go outside this house. And so if you go outside this house hungry, I don't know about Jimmy and him, and I don't know about Judas and him, and I don't know, come on, I don't know about Thomas and Andrew's mama, I don't know about these other, but you get over here, go to that cupboard, get you some bread, and get you some fish, put it in that bag, and you better be home before that sun comes down. Come on, that's a mama. This lad was able to jump out into the street, he ran, he was with the rest of the crowd, and to his surprise, when one of the disciples came up to him and said, little boy, what you got in that bag? He said, my mama made me a lunch. I got some fish and I got some bread. Now, what we learned about this is that they were poor. 
because a barley loaf was the cheap type of bread. And it's important that they said small fish to let you know it was not uh, like they were in there with a catfish po' boy for you country folk. Right? He wasn't in there with, with, with trout, deboned. You know, we like to go to basic, basic, take all the bone out because you didn't got bougie. Right? Back in the day, you used to just make sure you had about 12 loaves of bread or you fried so hard, mama, right, that you could eat the bones. Y'all don't know that. See, y'all don't know enough. Y'all haven't graduated past that. But I remember my mama would say, just if you fry it so hard, you could eat the bones. I said, praise the Lord. Praise God. You sure right about it. You're right. We can eat these bones. Praise God. So, so I remember a lot of that, but I, I think the real value is the fact that a mama, a, a, a home unit sent the child out with, with something to eat. We, we can't send kids, mothers. We can't send these lunchless children out into co- the community and expect them to assimilate as if they're normal. You can't expect them to all of a sudden get the tools outside of the house. The tools begin in the house. I'm using lunch as a metaphor for stuff, right? That, that you are need to equip and empower your children to look people in the face when you talk to them and, and shake their hands and say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and, and you ain't got to pull your pants up, but maybe they need to be fitting because in our generation, it was about sagging. Now it ain't about sagging no more. It's about your pants so tight. We got a whole nother language that we have to teach now. For us, it was like, you know, we wanted to be gangsters, you know, dickies and let your pants hang down and your rag out your pocket, you know, all that kind of stuff. For those that had mamas, though, you had to take your belt off when you got on the bus. You couldn't walk out the house looking like that because you had a mama who knew if you go out there looking like a criminal, they're going to treat you like one. See, that's a lunch. Right. She packed my lunch. And so while we are celebrating that a mama was at home making a lunch, I think it's long overdue because I believe right now it's a major, major impact when your mama can be at home. But guess what? It's 2019. And I think it's long overdue for us to finally give credit to these working mamas. I've listened to all the sermons in the past and it's like, oh, I'm at home. I'm making cookies. And as soon as Johnny get off the bus, I'm right there with the. I'm ready to rub his face and ask him to take his bag. And we go in and we do homework. And, and, and I help Johnny and I read him a lesson and I rub his hair and I make sure he's good to go. This is 2019. We got, we got a judge in the building, somebody's mama. She ain't going to be waiting on you to get off that bus with some cookies. Right? She may beat, you may beat her home. Right? So, so I think it's time for us to recognize you have some mamas that are, yes, know how to make a lunch, but know how to go buy the bread to make the lunch too. Right, that, that we should celebrate the fact that you're able to walk outside to make it happen and then still come home and make the lunch too. Because I'm not celebrating that you're working. I'm celebrating that you're working and you're still somebody's mama. Yeah, that, that I didn't, my mama was gone before I left because she went to work at ungodly hours. But guess what? Every time I came home, it was some enchiladas in that, in that oven. It was some chicken and rice. Right. It was some greens with turkey necks in. You hear what I'm saying? This is on a Tuesday. Right. That's an note to my mama because that's what she how she says Tuesday. Right. That just for no reason. It ain't Thanksgiving. Right. It's not. It's just this is happening. Like we had the Thanksgiving sleep. I had that all the time for no reason because she was cooking. She did what she could. 
because she had to. And she wanted to make sure that I knew I'm still your mama. And although I'm out working doesn't mean that I'm not here for you, that I'm not able to do these things. Yes, my wife is a big deal. But guess what? When I say, baby, can you make me my favorite meal? And I'm sure they thought it was like seafood. And I said, no, I just want some old white rice, some chicken. Put too much seasoned salt on it, just like I like it. Almost too salty, but just enough. Put some of that cream of chicken in there. Can you hear what I'm talking about? And my baby came in there with her suit on and her six-figure self and got in there and started making us. I said, you hear what I'm talking about? Right? Because you're able, Sister Sherry, to go to work and then come home and still get on your knees and clean. Right? And still help the kids with homework. And still love on your man when the sun comes down. You hear what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a godly woman is not just a woman that stays at home making sandwiches. Godly women are also out in the marketplace making it happen. You better read Proverbs 31. The scripture says that her husband had full assurance in her, so she was able to go look at land and buy it. He wasn't there to say, baby, you can buy. She was his partner. My wife went and bought a new car. She said, I'm going to buy a new car. You want to go? Is that submission? So here's my choice. I can either ride with her. <laughs> I was out there holding the bags like, you need me to take stuff out the car? Like, what you want me to do? Like, what are you going to do? Y'all are the crazy ones that don't want your wife to make more than you. You're the messed up. It's messed up in your mind. I want a sugar mama. I'm going to help deliver you. I'm going to help deliver you. You need to, That's pride. I said, you make what? We serve a living God. I, I, you don't know how many days they work. I'm like, do you know I will quit? I will quit so fast. Like, you won't even know if you even look at me. I will quit so fast. It's not even funny. Why? Because I need my kids to remember and know that your mama and you don't have to be a mother that's sitting at home watching soaps. I'm not saying that's what you do, but some people do. Watching soaps and the price is right and then, you know, the whole I'm telling you what I remember when my grandmama was at home. Then you take a nap, a long nap. Then you get up, you get something to eat, and then you got to go outside till your mama come home. And that's how, what my life was. So you have all had powerful women in your lives. But stop limiting them to the kitchen. Stop limiting them to cleaning and cooking. And the Bible tells you that when this man wrote this letter in Proverbs 31, he said to his her son, if you want to find a woman, she need to be able to cook, clean, and work, and be a partner, and do this. And by the way, you should be doing the same thing too. It's a partnership. I'm talking about mamas. This mama was at home, and she did her job well. I would have something to say about her if her boy left the house with no lunch. My only challenge I have is this. The boy was by himself. Mothers, you can't send your kids to church. You have to bring them to church. Why was he having to speak on his own? Why was he having to negotiate with an adult about his lunch? Do you know what would have happened if I gave my lunch away to some strange grown man? Do you remember giving stuff away and then having accountability when you got home? Right. So so I like that we read this the way we're reading it because we don't know anything else 
about what this mother did or what this boy went through. All we know is this. My point with that is it don't take a lot of stuff. It just takes one stuff. When we put you in the ground and your time is expired on this earth, mamas, what one thing did you leave with your children that they'll remember for the rest of their lives? Some of you have this memory, something have that memory, because you'll worry yourself to death trying to be a mama like they show you on TV. Felicia Rod Rashad was not a real mother. She was not real. Bill Cosby. Heathcliff Huxtable was not a real person. Right? They weren't real. But you compare yourselves, and it's unreasonable to think that you can do all this and then stay sane. It's very difficult to be somebody's mama. It's very hard, and you all deserve so much credit because we spend all of our lives out in the world not realizing the only reason I had this lunch because my mama gave me, my mama told me to shake your hand like this. My mama told me, yes, sir, can get me behind doors that people that say, uh-huh, and no, don't. You hear me? I remember many times I got blessed, Brother Holmes, because I was the only one saying, yes, ma'am. I was the only one to say, yes, sir. And they would point me out. Do you see what this boy, come over here and get these free snacks. Like, praise the Lord. I got some chips. Why? Because I said, yes, sir. No, sir. We even spoke to a bunch of kids yesterday. And I'm like, where is your mama? That you can't look me in the face and shake my hand, Brother Donnell. What's wrong? Where is your mama that you look like this? That you haven't brushed your teeth? That you, come on, where is your mama? There's some things your mama will do. Lord Jesus, man, Lord, I need it. I look clean. It only took that one time. You remember when your mom, I said, I know she's not about to lick this. And you know, I had that smell. I said, and you had that mama spit smell on your eyes the whole day. I said, oh, my Lord. So I was like, look, I'm clean. Like, every, I got, I'm, I'm good. Don't lick on me. I'm good, please. But I remember those days like it was yesterday. But now when I leave the house, I'll take a step back and look at my eyes. Why? Because my mama gave me a metaphorical lunch that said to me, when I leave this house, you better look like you got a mama. Don't walk out this house looking crazy. Don't walk out this house talking crazy. Don't walk out this house acting like you haven't been raised because you don't want anybody saying about your children, where is your mama? This happens so much. The one thing is all you need to do to make an impact in your children's lives. They'll remember you for a lifetime. I remember I lost my Jordans one year, Mason, and I was certainly going to get a beating. Assuredly. I'd beg for these shoes, and this is back, I won't even give you in the 80s, Jordan 1s for you young folks. Hundred dollars. And I knew my mama did not, we did not have it like that. And she said, I'll buy you some Jordans. And I was racing at school one day. And we would take our shoes off like country folk, Brother Isaac. Not saying that you country, but somebody like you. Take your shoes off. And we go on the street. Come on now. And you getting it in. I went back to the curb. It was only one shoe. Now, can you imagine the desperation that I had that it was only one shoe on that curb? Now, I had a stepfather who was not kidding with me. 
He was against me having the Jordans. Yeah. I said, this ain't going to be good. I'm on the bus with one shoe. I'm looking at my cousin Mason. I said, how bad do you think I'm going to get beat? Real bad. Can I come live with you? Yeah. And this is going to happen. I get off the bus. My mama was just pulling up from an all-night shift. I said, mama, I lost my shoe. She didn't say, how'd you lose one shoe? She said, get in the car. She took me to the store, Walsham, Windsor Park Mall. And she took me to Foot Locker and bought me another pair of $100 Jordans. And I threw away the other shoe. I went in. I thought for sure she would tell on me. She would give it away because she don't lie good. <laughs> Remember when Tony came in there and said, oh, they're still clean, huh? I said, yes, they are. <laughs> that is my thing that I will never forget. It was simple. It doesn't have to be deep. I will never forget. My mama got my back. That was a, a lifetime lesson. Even when I'm wrong, my mama had my back. Would I have a lesson learned and would I be disciplined? Absolutely. But I remember that thing. It's not all the other things. It's just the one thing. I want to release you from trying to be like all other mamas. So you can stop trying to be, you don't have to be making no sweet water cornbread if you don't even know how to make jiffy. Like, you don't have to go try to be the cook and on Thanksgiving you killing your family and they about to throw up because it's so bad. Like, who are you trying to be like? It's okay for you to be you. Go to Popeye's and get that doggone turkey. Have somebody else make the dressing for you. Go buy the gravy in the can. You hear what I'm saying? And make it your own. Your kids will never know anything different. But my mom, they'll say that. They won't even know that it's any different. My mama did this. This is what my mom, we, I like jellied cranberry to this day. All other fresh cranberry ain't good enough. I'm like, uh, I wonder where you got to cut it with a butter knife and it's in a circle. Come on. Put it on a biscuit, you know, and then put some, some turkey on it and make a sandwich out of that thing the next day. That's Thanksgiving to me. It wasn't until I went over to somebody else's house. I was like, fresh, like, like, what is this? My mom, man, this ain't my mama's. No, man, you need to go to Albertson's <coughs> and go get the, the, the can and it'll, it'll pop it out and cut it. And we and cut it and put it and make a shape. Come on, sis, make a shape out of it. And make a circle. I said, this is fine dining right here. To this day, my wife would tell you, I'm the only one at my table at Thanksgiving with that cut up cranberry. And I will never have another Thanksgiving without it because that is what my mama. Come on now. You ain't got to be all bougie and make up something and have this great. All this woman did for this boy was make him a lunch. Here's the closure. She sent him out with the lunch. And the Lord knew. Because didn't he say? He knew what he was doing. He knew she's, she lead, that she'd never send him out without lunch. Go look. And when you come back, this is what's going to happen. Listen to me. What you give your children is what the Lord can use. You hear me? You hear me? What you give them 
is what they're going to present to him. So when you give them the stuff, don't tell them I've been pastoring a long time. And I pastor people whose mama didn't make them no lunch. And it's like starting over again. Like, what's wrong with you? Your mama didn't tell you that a complainer, nobody wants to be around a complainer? She should have put that in your thermos. Your mama didn't tell you, like, you, you know, you need to look at yourself before you walk out the door and if too much stuff is showing. That should have been that turkey that she put in there. Your mama didn't tell you that if you're going to be over something, you probably ought to lead from the front. You can't tell folks to do stuff that you're not willing to do. That's that Ziploc with them grapes in it. And oh, the one that's the sweetest of all of the lunch. That all that you do, do unto the glory of the Lord. There's some simple things that your mama told you like boy on Sunday you might party all night Saturday I don't even need to to give you the part B of that sentence if you can dance all night in the club don't you come in church and act like you ain't got no rhythm if you can be at church on Saturday you can be at church on Sunday my kids I don't care where they go they mama will ask them where do you go to church I don't even want to have the conversation with DJ half the time Where'd you go to church? How long did you stay? Where is it? Is it on TV? Is it verified? Is it validated? Are you serving? Are you playing? What are you playing? I need to see a video. I think you better find a church. I think you better find a church. And so we're talking to our daughter about that right now. I hear her mother preparing her. And it's amazing. The other day, Drew was not feeling well. She'd probably be mad at me for saying it, but it's okay. She loves, loves her father. And I don't do well. I bail her out because I'm a daddy. I remember we had a couple of meltdowns, and I was like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'll fix it. Don't worry about it, baby. Just go on there, and it's all good. Mama could see. She's not going to be prepared if you keep on doing that. So I was indisposed, and Drew was feeling bad one day, and it was a big time because it was during one of the, the track meets. And, and uh, I said, what happened? She's like, she's up at the urgent care taking care of herself. I said, what? You didn't take her up there? I mean, you didn't hold her hand and sign her name and pull her card out of her wallet for her and give her a kiss, pray with her before she went in and fuss at the nurse. Saw stuff I would have done. Waited on her outside, drove her car, picked up my car later. Come on, daddies, you know. I'll put gas in it while you're waiting. I'll write you a note so you can go to school. You know, that's what daddies do, right? Lying on your notes. <laughs> I said, well, she said, no, she needs to figure this out. She said, take herself up there with your own. Look in your wallet. You have insurance. Go. And I'm thinking, but you're sick. How can she drive up there when she's sick? We need to get her up there. And she's leaving. I mean, I'm having a real meltdown. Real live, real-time meltdown. So Drew comes home, and she's got her own medicine. She has to go to Walmart, I guess, and pick it up. I'm like, she went to the pharmacy and signed her own name. And Did you know what to do? 
She came home. I watched her interact with her mom. I did it. I went to urgent care. I got my own medicine. I drove home. Look at me. And mom was like, good job. And I was like, that's a mama. That's what mamas do. It don't always feel good. But it's right. You don't like that I make you eat the spinach. You don't like that I'm monitoring your sugar intake. You don't like that I threaten you when you seem like it's just out of line, no reason for threats. Right, mamas? Like, I thought we were having a good time. Why are you telling me about my grades? It's 4th of July. I'm popping fireworks. You talking about F, fireworks, because that's what you make. I'm there with my lighter like, why? I just want to pop fireworks, right? I'm telling you what my life was like with my mama, that she was on me. But it helped. And you're here today because your mama or a mama figure helped you get here. Somebody's mama told you about yourself and you thought about them the rest of your life because a mama's making lunch all over the world and these these citizens are never going to be better until we start packing lunches for these kids and sending them out the door with some stuff to work with. No more empty pails. No more empty bags. Plan their lunch out. And when they go, God's going to see him, and he's going to look at you and say, well done. Because of you, we were able to feed 15,000 hungry people. And your son was the only one out of 15,000 people that had a lunch. That mama deserves a round of applause. Unspoken, unnamed, can't find her anywhere. I felt like I failed y'all because I couldn't find any history. She is unnamed like many mothers are in 2019. These boys didn't get drafted without their mamas. You didn't get your degree without your mama. And they said, well, I didn't know my mama. God sent you a mama from somewhere. Everybody in here has had somebody's mama imprint on you. And I brought you something today that I have to tell you before we go. For those that cannot have children, for those that do not have children, I'm telling you, there are children who need you. I'm not a proponent of always trying to talk you into something, but God put on my heart to tell you, you need to start thinking about adopting. Yesterday, we met so many little kids that I thought, me and McNeil said, I just want to take you home, and I want to take you home. I want to take you home. You're so smart, and I know your mama's outside right now, and she's selling drugs, and she's waiting on you. One little boy's mama was outside, and she was a drug addict. He said, Dr. Williams, I don't want to go outside because my mama's out there, and she's, she, get, she wants me to try to get money from y'all, and I don't know what to do. It just broke my heart. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? When I get in my truck and go home, and that little boy had to walk out there, and his mom was out there begging from him. He needs help. You have a big old house with nothing. 
I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just telling what the Lord said. That before you start saying, I'm not a mama and I can't, you better be so desperate. If you're desperate to be one, like you say you are. I just met 29 young black boys that are on the road to destruction. And all they need is somebody to pack them a lunch. Just pack them a lunch and their life will be changed. I challenge you. If you have a spirit of Hannah and you want to be a mama so bad, there's a child that needs you. There's a child that pray about it. If you're online, seek God and ask him. Sister Clark is here because somebody adopted her. I bet you didn't know that. You ever met your mother? Never. Never. Because somebody said, I have a call to do this. Foster parents. Get in the system and help these boys. Help these young girls. And you can make a difference in their lives. I want you to stand. I'm just going to pray for you right there on that very thing. God is looking for lunch makers. God is looking for lunch makers. People who will make lunch. Send you on out of there and helping these kids. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name for all of these mothers. Father, we know that it is not an easy task. Forget the fact of having to raise them, carrying us. Praise God for their courage. Praise God for them willing to allow someone else to hijack their body for nine months. That they have the courage to get on a table and meet death face to face all because of this child. That they're able to suffer through the pain and, the, and all the challenges mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, Father. We pray even right now for those who are dealing with postpartum challenges. Father, we ask you right now that you would just help us to be better as men and children. That we would recognize that mama just don't come a dime a dozen. But your mother was designed just for you. You might not always like what she says and what she does, but God patterned you after her. So you can learn from her actions. You can learn from her words, her experiences. Your mama did the best she could do with what she had. She gave you a start, and you are here today because your mama made a sacrifice. For those that were adopted or came through foster homes, your mother made a sacrifice too because she had you when she didn't have to. You're here today when the data says that most people wouldn't even go as far as she did, but she said, I want to give this baby a life, and here you are today. Father, we honor you. We honor you. We thank you for these mamas. We thank you, Father. We thank you for those that stepped in, all the surrogates, the foster moms, the adopted moms, the aunties, the grandmamas who took their children on when the kids were acting crazy. The grandmamas who are in mama roles, grandmamas who are taking them to school, who are giving them lunch, who are claiming them on their IRS, grandmamas who are going to counseling with them, grandmamas who are doing what the kids couldn't do. You deserve, you deserve to be honored. We honor you. We honor you today. For those that are going to go out and say, you know what, God, I'm going to, I'm going to look at helping one of these kids. I'm going to open my home. Because the system is failing our people. It's failing our people. It's failing our people. 
then I'm going to stand in. I'm going to be, I'm going to start working on my lunch making skills. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I pack a lunch and I'm going to send somebody out to go let the Lord use them. I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go adopt. I want to go and be a foster mom. I want to go work at the social centers. I want to go to the boys and girls clubs. I want to go to the hospitals. I want to I want to go into the ER where these kids are showing up with no insurance. You don't know what to do. I just want to be there. I want to be there. Father, we pray right now that we will send out disciples with lunch materials in their hands so we could follow after them, these great mothers. I thank you, Father, for blessing them with courage and strength. Thank you for blessing them with diversity, homemakers, breadwinners, aunts. Thank you for stepping in. Thank you. Thank you. You are worthy, and God is honoring your sacrifice because that is the first commandment that he said to do was to go forth and be fruitful and to multiply. We thank you. Father, for all the mothers, the mothers-to-be, those that have the spirit of mothers, those who have lost their mothers, we honor them today. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Let everyone say amen. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.txchristianfellowship.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you in perfect peace.